welcome back to the Not Your Mama podcast. This is Kelly Bryant, and we are back again today to talk about how to breathe. Yes, how to breathe and why you should breathe the way I'm going to tell you. But before we get into it, I want to read you guys a email that I received from one of my clients, Katie. And Katie was emailing me at the end of her Reclaim postnatal program, and she said, this experience was more than I could have hoped for. I had doubts about what could be accomplished in just two months in a remote online course. What a difference it made. No more aches and pains, noticeable strength in my core and pelvic floor, and visibly improved posture. I have had both pelvic floor physical therapy and lower back physical therapy, but trust me when I say these sessions paled in comparison to the knowledge and strength I gained from just 60 days with Kelly. Every mom deserves to feel this good after having a baby. I cannot repeat that enough times. Every mom deserves to feel this good after having a baby. Katie is not a unicorn. She's not special. She doesn't deserve that any more than you do. You are 100% worthy and ready to feel amazing. And I'm so grateful to Katie for telling us all that. So I am really proud of the work that she put in because she did the work to get those results. And you could too. So I'll tell you a little bit more about the Reclaim program at the end of today's episode. For now, let's go ahead and get into it. Why breathing matters. We're going to get a little nerdy. Stay with me if you need to like grab your coffee, grab your coffee, get ready. We're going to talk about the nervous system. So your nervous system is the communication channel between your brain and your body. I kind of like to describe it as like your nerves are just your brain that is located in your body. It's just like these little uh, extensions of your brain that instead of living inside your skull are actually located throughout your whole body. And the purpose of the nervous system is constantly to tell you whether or not you're safe. Because if you're not safe, your body needs to react. So the nervous system, you know, developed very on in very early on in our evolution. I don't know why that sentence was so hard for me to say. Let's try that again. The nervous system developed very early on in our evolution. And it is the thing that tells us whether to go into fight or flight or rest and digest. You may have heard fight, flight, or freeze, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Doesn't really matter. It's the thing that tells your body, yo, you might be about to die. Like there's a tiger in the bushes over there. You got to get ready to fight a tiger or go run for your life. The nervous system then, you know, so you like fight the tiger, you run away, whatever, and you then go into rest and digest. So you get where you're going, you're safe, your body, you kind of like take a nap, relax, calm down. A healthy nervous system is constantly cycling between the two. You never want to be like completely without stressors in your life. You never want to be like a hundred percent in rest and digest all the time. It's not healthy, right? Like we want a system that's actually capable of fighting or flighting of going after what it is we need. Obviously the landscape looks very different right now. You don't need to like go catch a gazelle for dinner, but your body needs you to have like a healthy amount of get up and go. But overwhelmingly in modern society, 
we have way too much chronic stress so that we end up being in this constant state of fight or flight. And that's not healthy for our system. Our body doesn't actually know how to function that way, right? So it's like leads to increased cortisol levels in your bloodstream all the time. Cells don't do what they're supposed to do under those conditions. There's higher levels of inflammation. So chronic stress, we know from the literature, like if you look at the research, we know that chronic stress is like implicated in just about every modern disease, right? Diabetes, cancer, heart disease, like the list goes on and on and on. And I really want to stress, I didn't mean to say that. I really want to stress that there's a difference between chronic stress and acute stressors. Acute stressors are actually pretty good for us, right? It's like the big project at work gets, it puts, puts a fire under your ass, right? Like, so acute stressors get us to go, get us to do something, put us into a healthy fight or flight, but acute stressors then end and our system goes back into rest and digest. As the name implies, rest and digest is when your body does all of your resting, literal like digestion of food, emotional digestion of experiences, and it it's when your body heals. So when you're in fight or flight, the signals in your body literally draw blood, draw energy away from your digestive system from the kind of like ongoing, the quote unquote detoxification processes. I shouldn't say quotes. It really is the detoxification processes in the body. We've just kind of bastardized what that word means. Um, But it pulls resources, blood, energy away from those kind of ongoing maintenance processes in the body. And it sends blood out to the muscles and out to the extremities so that you can perform a task. And then Once you're relaxing, blood, energy, resources go back to those rest and digest processes, and that's when your body, your muscles heal, right? So your connective tissue, your muscles all heal at that time. So I know you're thinking like, chronic stress sounds pretty bad. What does that have to do with anything? Tell me. What's cool is the way the nervous system is kind of designed to work is that your eyeballs (laughs) sense a danger or your nerves in your hand feels pain and then your brain has a response to it and says danger 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 and you go into fight or flight but the system works in reverse as well you actually can create a signal in your body to trigger the nervous system to flip so just like reading an email, which is not actually like a true threat to your well-being, just like reading an email can send you into short breathing, you get hot, right? You feel like you have, there are a lot of like physiological symptoms of that. Slow, steady, deep breathing can send you into rest and digest. So if we know that being in a chronic state of fight or flight is really bad for your system, being in a state of chronic stress is really bad for your system, we can actually hijack the system and we can kind of, I don't want to say force because that sounds like aggressive, but we can convince it to go into that calmer state based on the way that we breathe. So that's the first reason that the way you breathe is so, so important And especially for new parents, I'm constantly stressing that because I'm like, 
you are in a state of chronic stress, right? Like your baby's cry is designed to drive you bonkers. Like your baby's cry is designed to elicit a really intense response. And of course, you should tend to your baby's needs. But once you've tended to your baby's needs, you need to actually be able to get your system to calm back down. And so deep breathing can be really valuable for, for like psychological reasons as well as physiological reasons. Those and, and they are the same, right? So the psychological reasons also are part of the physiological reasons because if you have, say, for example, um, pelvic floor trauma from birth or if you have an injury to your shoulder or anything else, we know that if you're in that chronic stress state, you're going to have more inflammation and your body isn't going to be healing and recovering as effectively. So you have to have to have to get yourself into rest and digest so that you can actually physically recover. Then there's this whole other part of the situation, which is purely about like the physics and the mechanics of your body. So setting aside all of that nervous system stuff, there's just the fact that you as a human being are basically just a complicated tube of toothpaste with a lot of feelings. Your torso is a tube of toothpaste. It's a canister. It's a container. And as a vagina owning tube of toothpaste, you actually have an extra hole, right? You have three holes at the bottom of your tube. So that's why women, females tend to have more pelvic floor issues than people with penises because they have an extra hole in their pelvic floor. Not to mention the fact that like the, that hole occasionally just lets something the size of a cantaloupe come through it. I'll leave that for another day. But this system is pressurized inside, right? So the technical term is intra-abdominal pressure. Your abdomen is preferably a closed system, right? We don't want to constantly be having things leaking, falling, dropping out the bottom of your tube of toothpaste. You want to keep the, the lid on the tube of toothpaste, except for the times when you are intentionally emptying the tube. Um, And so we need to be able to manage the pressure inside of this canister, inside of this tube of toothpaste. And many of us, it it may be cultural, it may also be related to stress, who knows all of the reasons, but many of us chronically are squeezing our abs. We're sucking in. And so right now, like I want you to go, oh my God, am I sucking in right now? Pretty high probability you were. You have to let your gut hang out. You have to relax your core because if your abs are constantly squeezing in, imagine if someone constantly had their fist around a tube of toothpaste. If it's like one of those tubes of toothpaste that has like the flip on flip off lid, right? Like the kind that you just flip, like flick open. If that's the kind of tube of toothpaste you are, if you're constantly squeezing on that tube of toothpaste, you're going to have toothpaste come out the bottom of the tube. So the way that we are using our core can very deeply influence the health of our abdominal tissue as well as our pelvic floor tissue. It can increase the chance of having urinary incontinence, of having pelvic organ prolapse, of having all of these other issues, chronic tightness in the pelvic floor, pain with sex, like the list goes on and on and on. If we're constantly squeezing the abs, either the tube of toothpaste is going to splat out the bottom or you're going to keep the lid on, but that lid is going to be like rock solid stuck 
on the tube of toothpaste. What does this have to do with breathing? Glad you asked. When you are deep, slow, belly breathing, you're managing your intra-abdominal pressure. So I want you to feel that. Like if you let go of your abs and you take a deep breath in, your body is able to allow a lot of air into your lungs. It's able to make space for air in your lungs without creating a lot of pressure on your tissue, right? Without creating a lot of strain on your abs or on your pelvic floor. Now, if you try to squeeze your abs and take a deep breath, you're not going to be able to get as deep a breath. So all you have to do in order to continue to remind the abs and remind the pelvic floor to relax, to stretch, to have like mobility is breathe deeply into the belly. So I want to go back and touch a little bit more on what happens when we're trying to breathe deeply, but we're not allowing the air in because we're squeezing our abs or our pelvic floor. You probably notice, like if you go to take a deep breath, most likely the breath goes up in your chest, right? So if I just say, take a deep breath, everybody goes and breathes up in their chest. That can unconsciously send a signal to your brain that you're stressed, that you're in danger, move you into fight or flight. Problem number one. Problem number two is that you're getting real jacked up in your upper traps. That's that area at the top of your shoulder near your neck, right? Where we're all constantly squeezing, constantly tight. The breath either is going there or the breath is pushing downward, but not getting any space to go anywhere. So your diaphragm, which is like the dome-shaped muscle that's on the inside bottom of your rib cage, is what basically separates your abdomen into chest and lungs versus belly and guts. And when that diaphragm is like locked up and we were not able to breathe down into it because the abs are so clenched, we get a diaphragm that's really stuck. We get a diaphragm that doesn't move very well, right? So your pelvic floor, your abs, your diaphragm, these are like some of your really essential core musculature. When those muscle groups are locked up, really stiff, not moving, you have all kinds of other issues. You have discomfort, right? There's just the general feeling of like, oh, everything is tight. I feel stiff. I can't move well. You get locked up in your spine, right? You can't twist very effectively. You can have, like I mentioned before, you can have pain with intercourse because the pelvic floor muscles are so tight, penetration is painful. You can have, if the abs are really tight, they may be pulling against the connective tissue that they're attached to, which is the linea alba, and that can contribute to diastasis recti. So if we kind of break this down, on a physiological level, on kind of like the the physics component of it, either when you're breathing deeply, you're sending all of the pressure up into your rib cage, into your shoulders, and you're getting super like tight and stressed up in the top of your shoulders, or you're still trying to breathe, you're still trying to push down on your diaphragm, and instead you're creating tightness and restriction in the diaphragm, the abs, and the pelvic floor. 
So we've covered why breathing is so important. There's the nervous system component, all of those negative effects of chronic stress, and you can short circuit that chronic stress signal by breathing deeply. You can tell your brain that you are in fact safe and therefore your nervous system should move into rest and digest so that you can heal. And then there's the the physics component of it, the intra-abdominal pressure part of it, where if you're not taking big, slow, deep belly breaths or diaphragmatic breaths, you are putting a lot of pressure on the pelvic floor. You're putting a lot of pressure on the abs. You're potentially getting really stuck, really kind of tied up in your diaphragm. You may be contributing to really tight upper traps. This is sounding very doomsday. Are you guys feeling like super overwhelmed and terrified? I'm very sorry about that. The good news is you don't have to wait until the next episode for me to tell you what to do. I'm going to go ahead and tell you how to breathe. The first breathing that everybody needs to know is diaphragmatic belly breathing. It is how to let go of your belly, relax your pelvic floor, let your belly move when you breathe. So if you have to pee, go pee before you go any further, because if you have to pee, your pelvic floor is not going to be able to relax like we want it to. Next step is if you can get more comfortable, if you can like lay on the floor, the less work you have to do to be upright, the better here. That said, if you prefer to sit upright, you're totally fine to just sit up. Put your hands on your belly. So right on the front of your belly. Maybe you even put one hand on your belly, one hand on your chest. And take a deep breath in. And on the exhale, just let it go. Let's do that again. Try to feel that it's the hand on the belly that's moving as opposed to the hand on the chest. That may be kind of hard, right? Might be difficult. Move your hands out toward your waist. So rather than being right on the front of your belly, like toward your belly button, bring them out toward the sides of your belly, toward your waist. And let's do that again. See if you can breathe out into your hands, out into the sides. One more time. Last change, slip your fingertips right behind your low back. Now, we didn't even mention the low back yet, but when your abs are constantly clenched or when you're not belly breathing, you can have a lot of tightness in the low back. We're going to see if we can use the breath to loosen that up a little bit. Breathe into the fingertips, breathe into the low back. Can you feel like a little bit of spread, a little bit of movement in those low back muscles? Hopefully you can. Hopefully you can feel just like the teeniest sense of like the the low back spreading just a little bit. That you can already hopefully feel. It's like your abs are getting a stretch. If you're constantly sucking in, how often are your abs really getting a nice stretch? your core, your pelvic floor, your diaphragm, they work just like your bicep or your quad. If you walk around with your elbow bent at 90 degrees, holding a 10 pound weight in your hand, 
and then you try to like reach your arm straight, that muscle is going to be so tight. Multiply that by your abs doing that unconsciously all day, every day for 30, 40, 50, however many years. Oh my God, those muscles are so tight. The poor, the poor things. And that resting tightness in the abs is putting constant pressure down on your tube of toothpaste, on the pelvic floor, and particularly during pregnancy, pulling outward on the linea alba, contributing toward diastasis. Also, you're hopefully feeling after doing six, seven deep, slow breaths, like that does feel really good, right? It feels really nice to your brain to like, ah, actually get a deep breath and actually slow down. Maybe you become like more aware of some of the sensations in your body, some of the sounds in the room around you. Like this is the, this is the ground floor of mindfulness. This is where it all begins. So super valuable, super essential to be able to do that nice, slow, deep belly breathing. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your pelvic floor here. If you can go ahead and sit up, and especially if you can sit on something that's like a little bit squishy, like if you could like fold up a blanket or something and sit on it, I want you to actually be able to feel your vulva, your pelvic floor, your superficial pelvic floor muscles, like up against something. You don't have to be naked, just you know, through your clothes, you can feel a blanket or something underneath your pelvic floor. When you breathe in, can you have a sense of that pelvic floor slightly releasing and dropping? That's what we want to be happening on a relaxed inhale. We want the intra-abdominal pressure inside of your tube of toothpaste to be always the same. Or, I mean, not always the same, but we want to keep it, you know, reasonable when you're just in a relaxed state. We don't want to be constantly increasing that intra-abdominal pressure. So that means that when we breathe in, breathing in means we are adding more stuff into our body, right? We are inserting air into the lungs. Air takes up space. So we are shoving more into the canister of our body. When that happens, the abs need to relax out and the pelvic floor needs to soften and drop. It's kind of like if you've ever played like an egg toss game. If you can imagine like your outstretched hand is your pelvic floor, the egg is your pelvic organs. And if you're going to be like catching that egg in your hand, you have to like actually ease your hand down as you're catching, if you hold your hand rock solid still and the egg lands in your palm, the egg is going to crack and explode everywhere. Don't worry. Your pelvic organs are not going to crack and explode everywhere. But if you're softly allowing the pelvic floor muscles to drop, they will catch much more gently all of the guts, all the stuff that's being held up by your pelvic floor, that's being held in by your pelvic floor. So we want, when we're breathing in, you know, we felt the belly, we felt the waist, we felt even the low back maybe move a little bit as we were breathing in. We also want to feel that the pelvic floor is dropping as we're breathing in. So let's try this now, sitting up with a little bit of like tactile feedback under your vulva. Deep breath in. Exhale, let it go. 
Now that's your homework because that's a, usually a little bit harder for people to feel. So maybe you go next time you go to like wipe after going the, to the bathroom, you like just hold your hand there for a second and see if when you inhale, can you feel a little bit of spread, a little bit of drop? I describe it if it's helpful to have a visual, like the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are like two jellyfish. And when you inhale, both of the jellyfish spread, flatten, and drop. And when you exhale, both of the jellyfish spring back up. I'm doing this with my hands as if you guys can see me whatever. Maybe it helps me describe it more clearly. So you inhale, jellyfish spread, open, drop. You exhale, both jellyfish rise back in. So for your homework, before listening to the next episode, I would love for you to try diaphragmatic belly breathing a few times throughout your day, throughout your life. Deep breath in, belly spreads, expands, pelvic floor drops, exhale, everything goes back. Now, I cannot emphasize enough, whenever I start working with new people, they need me to remind them of that over and over and over again. They're like, wait, when I breathe in, what happens? When I breathe in, what happens? So think of it this way. When you breathe in, you are adding more air into your body. Air takes up space, right? So when you breathe in, you're shoving more into the canister. If we don't want the canister to explode, then what? Then the belly has to expand and the pelvic floor has to expand as well. We have to make more room. You're just, you're just a balloon. You're just a beautiful, beautiful balloon. So that's where we're going to leave it for today. Next episode, I'm going to be back to talk to you about why six pack abs actually suck. So come back for that next week. Your homework is to practice diaphragmatic belly breathing as often as you can. Maybe you set a reminder on your phone to do it every couple hours while you're at your desk. Maybe you put a sticky note on the mirror for when you brush your teeth. Just really make a conscious effort. And if you struggle with falling asleep at night, try diaphragmatic breathing. Just lay in bed and breathe diaphragmatically and just see how that goes for you. Okay. I would love to hear from you guys. Feel free to hit me up on social, hit me up on my website, on Facebook, whatever you want, reach out and let me know if you're doing this this homework, how's it going for you? Okay. I'll see you on the next episode. This episode is brought to you by my Reclaim postnatal training program. So that that uh, quote that I was reading at the beginning of our episode today, that was from a Reclaim grad. She actually did the program back when it was only two months. It's now three months. So you get even more support to really maintain and sustain the new habits that you're building. Reclaim is amazing. It's the program for all of the people who are three weeks to three years postpartum, where I help you heal your abs, stop peeing your pants, get out of pain, and get back to being the badass that we all know is still in there. You just might feel like you lost her a little bit. So we're going to help bring her back out. It is the time where we are 100% focused on you. You don't have to do anything for anybody else for just a couple hours every week. So that program basically breaks down to be like less than 20 to 30 minutes per day. You really can totally change your body and your relationship with it in that little amount of time. It is such a great program. It is my baby, and I hope that you will consider joining it. Programs kick off every three months. 
Okay. So head to my website, head to the show notes and jump into reclaim or share it with a friend.